0: Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome back to the OFR Farm Report podcast. With me as always, my co-host Matt Kritzberg. Matt, happy new year. Happy New Year to you as well. I believe as of now
1: we are roughly a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting.
0: I uh, can't come too soon. It is cold pretty much uh, all over the nation right now and uh, in the south we ain't used to this, buddy.
1: No. Uh, how about as cold as the Braves bats in the NLDS.
0: Oh. No. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right well it's also been roughly a month since our last uh, podcast and quite a few things have happened since then. Uh, mostly good but uh, something very disappointing also we'll we'll lock, knock that out first I think. So the Mississippi Braves have announced that 2024 will be their last season in Pearl, Mississippi and at Trustmark Park with their intention of moving to Columbus, Georgia. Matt, I almost hate to ask you, but what are your feelings about this? (laughs) I have things to say.
1: <laughs> uh, no, it's not, it's not going to be that bad, but uh, yeah, this, it, it's been coming for a couple years now. I uh, realized a couple years ago that the 20 year lease was going to be up because they started in 2005 in Pearl and uh, to Martin next, this coming season will be the 20th year. So I, I figured this was going to happen one way or another. Uh, I didn't see them ever extending the lease uh, at trust park and that that's what came to pass, and uh, Columbus came in, and got a better offer for him, and they'll move on there for the next uh, twenty type years. But th- they didn't get the greatest attendance there. I believe uh, between uh, Mississippi and the Biloxi Shuckers, those are like the two worst attended um, teams in Double A baseball, and that's it's kind of Mississippi's kind of a college sports kind of state. Now you put. Uh, like Ole Miss and Mississippi State playing a uh, um, in their in the college series at uh, Trustmark Park, you fill the place up eight thousand plus. Uh, you get Southern Miss against Mississippi State, same kind of deal. But uh, most d- days during the summer, you're only getting a couple thousand people out at uh, Trustmark Park. Uh, do a little better on the weekends, but I mean that's just kind of where the where it shakes out. Um, it's I'm the kind of Resigned to it um, because this isn't actually my first time to lose a team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a repeat offender um, because uh, my hometown, Shreveport, Louisiana, I was literally born near a, a Braves minor league game. Mm. <laughs> uh, because back then uh, there was a team called the Shreveport Braves. They were the double-A team for the Atlanta Braves at that time. Um, and if, over the years, uh, that same franchise went through various um, – Minor league affiliations had a couple years with the Angels, a couple years with the Brewers, four years with the Pirates. And then they had the extended run of 24 years with the San Francisco Giants. And, of course, back then, uh, being a double A team for a franchise that was two time zones away, it wasn't exactly the most convenient thing. But um, they went on successfully. Uh, we had gotten a new ballpark uh, back in 1986. And then about 15 years later, they sold out. Uh, there was a local owner. For all of that time, and then they sold out to Mandalay Entertainment, a big corporation, and kind of a lot of the same things you're seeing with Diamond Baseball Holdings now, where they're kind of revamping things. In fact, they first thing they did was come in, they changed the name from Shreveport Captains to the Shreveport Swamp Dragons um, in Lake County. Uh, the High A team for Cleveland it's immediately snapped up the captains' name, so they became the Lake County Captains. But this uh, this outfit that picked them up, they weren't uh, really I, I think they were trying to run the team into the ground a little bit, and like they they would do goofy things like put a hot tub out on the uh, on the side beside the field where people could get in it during the game. Which in Louisiana, when it was often 105 degrees at game time, I mean, you're just creating soup. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it just they do goofy things like that. And, I, and to this day, I think that um, they had some kind of deal with in their. Uh, um, with the attendance if it fell below a certain level that they could move the franchise. And that's exactly what they did. They only had the team here for two years and then they uh, moved it to Texas where they became the Frisco Rough Riders, or the double A who are to this day, the double A team for the Texas Rangers. And even back then history is repeating itself. Uh, teams bring in their minor league teams closer to home. And with this now the Braves, I think basically all the teams will be within what two, two and a half hours, of uh truest park now
0: yeah augusta is a little farther than that but yeah basically they'll all be within within certainly within four hours of uh certainly within
1: driving distance
0: oh yeah definitely yeah they're not i mean because
1: uh to get to mississippi i mean it's either a six hour drive or you're flying for an hour i mean they had frequent delta flights going back and forth but that's not exactly the most convenient way to run a uh a uh, double a team and i mean obviously with new ownership that's but i'm sure they working kind of hand in hand with the braves on how they want the teams located and it probably helps out too on being able to get a truer read for stats because i mean offensive stats and trust mark Clark were just awful when we've said that on a frequent basis and pitching stats are kind of somewhat outliers too because the offensive environment is so bad so say so good luck to The Columbus, whatever they're going to be called, because I'm sure they'll be changing from Braves whenever they rebrand here. And I think that was part of it, too. I mean, I I kind of suspected when you see all the other minor league clubs rebranding and Mississippi just keeps on plugging along with Braves, you kind of figure something along those lines was going to happen. It was all in the stars. But hate to see them go, but kind of understand where it's coming from, from every side of the situation.
0: Yeah, I think we both kind of saw this coming, especially after the ownership change. Um, you could kind of see maybe the Braves wanting to maintain kind of a an outpost, kind of in the you know sort of frontier of their of their fan base, right? I think they they pretty much claim the South, and Mississippi would pro- is probably as far west as they would go without running into maybe some Astros territory, right? But yeah, yeah,
1: li- literally from tri- from Trustmark Park, you go you drive fifty miles west, you are you are literally in the Astros territory at that point.
0: And of course, the, the Braves, they weren't necessarily running the minor league teams to make a profit. You only have to go to some Braves minor league games when, uh, when they were in charge to see that. Um, and obviously, the new owners are very interested in making money. So uh, coming closer to the heart of the fan base obviously makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, Columbus is a good sized city. They're hungry for minor league baseball. They've, they've had minor league baseball teams there before. Um, they, the stadium is very old. This will be, I think it's third refurbishing. <laughs> so well, and I think I, I saw their plan on spending around 50 million on it. Yeah. So it, it sounds to me like they're pretty much, they may use the bones, but it's almost going to be like a brand new ballpark. Um, I, I will say from a personal standpoint there Columbus is about a 30 minute drive from my parents house so I probably will be seeing a lot more A games over the summer which doesn't make me unhappy sorry
1: yeah and I I've, I I've, I've spent, I've spent some time in Columbus for work over the years and uh, I mean it's it's a, it's a solid city and they've got a pretty good regional um base there to draw from so I think they're going to do well there especially having a Braves team now in an established product I think things are going to go well for them and of course the team's going to like it better too being able to shuffle players um, probably even more frequently than they already do because it won't be anywhere near the hassle it was before to go from say Rome to Pearl
0: (laughs) or from Pearl to Gwinnett yeah we've we've heard the the stories you know about when they called up you know Dansby Swanson and Michael Harris and stuff and the driving through the night to get to the ballpark for the next day, right? So when they were called up from A. All right, so... That unfortunate bit of business done, let's talk about kind of what the team has been doing. Right after Christmas, there was a big trade, uh, and this seems like old news now, but it was only a few weeks ago. Uh, So Chris Sale coming to the Braves, um, Vaughn Grissom unfortunately going to the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are paying down pretty much all all of Chris Sale's salary for this season, as it turns out, and the Braves pretty much immediately uh, extended him uh, actually got the uh, this year's salary down to where I think Boston's actually paying more than what his actually sa- actual salary is, and then uh, extending him. I think he, he had this really strange vesting option for 2025 that instead becomes a guarantee mm-hmm. now, um, and uh, and now a, uh, I believe a club option for 2026. Uh, Vaughn Grissom goes to Boston. He is probably going to be their starting opening day second baseman. And, um, fans I think are rightly excited, uh, up in Boston to get him. Matt, what are your thoughts on this trade?
1: I mean, I'll, I've liked the trade in general. I mean, um, seeing the price of starting pitching out of the market, which is absolutely crazy. I think was it Freddie Montas, um, Signed with the Reds for like fifteen or sixteen million, and pitched an inning in a third last season. Yeah, that <laughs> I was think a, Alex saw those prices. That was an eye opener. Yes, yeah, and I, th- I think that happened right before the sale trade. I, th- I, th- I think after seeing those prices, uh, Alex Anthopoulos is like, "I'm I'm not playing in this market." And tried to, had to get a little creative, but I, th- I think it's a, a good solution as long as, I mean, it all comes down to Chris Sale's health, whether he stays healthy or not, and if he does, I mean, they'll get another season out of him. I mean, it still didn't solve the long-term issues, because, I mean, you're you're definitely going to be losing, well, more than likely going to be losing Freed and Morton after the season. Um, Sale's locked in now, If but if he's not healthy, if something goes wrong, then you're still having to look for filling up three spots next season, but Uh, I think there'll be opportunities over the course of the season to establish either A.J. Smith-Shaw or or Hurston Waldrop in the rotation uh, for the 2025 season. But, I mean, at least it gives a a solid start. I mean, what's that probably mean? Sale's going to be the fourth, fifth starter somewhere around in there. Oh, no, it's going to be the fourth starter. But um, I think that's going to be a good spot for him at this point in his career. And hopefully they can get more out of him than they were their fourth and fifth starters last season for the Braves, who were, uh, let's say, less than – Average, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, th- I think, and especially getting another left hander in the rotation because they haven't had another solid left hander after Freed for quite a while now. So I, th- I like that move from that standpoint as well.
0: Yeah, the first thing I thought of when they got Chris Sale is there's a postseason starter to neutralize Bryce Harper. <laughs> like literally, that was my first thought.
1: Yeah, and that that could happen very easily. I mean, I'd much feel more, more, a lot more comfortable throwing him out there than like Bryce Elder or um, anybody else. But I mean, obviously with uh, Freed Strider, Morton, Sale, that's that's a pretty solid top four right there. And I believe it, as of right now, FanGraphs has them rated as the highest rated starting rotation in all of MLB, even not doing anything else with having like say Bryce Elder. Or, Somebody like that is the fist starter. So, I mean, I think they're in a real good spot going into spring training.
0: Yeah. As far as health, um, you know, what Chris Sale has been going through since his Tommy John surgery, right, which was three years ago now, it's been kind of oddball things, right? It's been a little bit of a, some, a back issue. It's been, what, a, a broken finger at one point and then, a uh, you know, a stress fracture and it's – I forget what it was, clavicle or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, none of that really, It none of that feels like it's something that carries over. Right. And I think that's what the Braves are banking on. It, I think he had a string of kind of unfortunate injury luck and there's nothing about his profile other than the Tommy John surgery in his, in his uh, past that makes you think that it'll be a continuing issue going forward. But you don't know until you see it right and but he did pitch 140 innings last year uh if the Braves get between 140 and 160 and he's available in the playoffs i think they would count this trade as a win
1: oh in a big way i mean it's, it's i mean he's getting up there in age but he's still i mean reasonably age i mean it's not like this is 38 year old Chris sell i mean he hasn't he'll turn 35 here uh right before opening day so um, if they can get a couple years out of them, that, that'd be great. I don't, I don't see that third-year uh, option being picked up unless something goes really well over the first two years. And I believe there's no buyout on that third year either. So I like it from that standpoint. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a good trade. I mean, I hate to have given up Von Grissom for that, but I mean, there is a price to pay when it comes to all this. And getting them to pay down his salary was a tremendous help, especially. I mean, they're, they're fighting that uh, luxury tax. I mean, they're deep into the second tier right now they're about 10 or 11 million away from the third tier and the third tier is when you start seeing some big penalties uh obviously more advanced tax but also that's when you start losing draft picks and I think some people say I don't they don't think that Alex has a problem going over there but I think at, at, if they're gonna do everything they can to avoid messing with their draft capital like that
0: yeah know? I agree with that i I don't I think if the deal was there if it's something that's just obvious, that it would make the team better then maybe they step over it. But I don't think there's anything obvious like that. Nothing that everything is a cost. Right. And that's, you know, if they sign a big free agent like that, the cost is beyond just the, what they're paying out. It's going to be this other, other penalties. Right. Um, and, and you have to weigh that in. And as it is, the Braves right now are already a world series favorite. Maybe we check back in in July around the trade deadline, Maybe that changes the equation, uh, what happens on the field. But, um, uh, right now I feel really good about this team. Um, I feel better about this team than i than I think about the Dodgers, which is the team that everybody I think agrees is quote unquote, won the offseason. <laughs> uh, obviously add, you can't sneeze at adding Shohei Otani and, uh, Yamamoto and, uh, Tuescar Hernandez, um, you know, all that's all that's impressive, and they've been able to do that in one off season. But they're already a really good team in a World Series, and I I don't know how much that makes them more of a World Series team. I mean, they're probably right there with the Braves, but they're already kind of right there with the Braves. I don't know. Um, it's a it's been an interesting off season, and uh, I think the Braves may have one more move left, and it'll probably be a a, a small move. I know. We'll talk about minor league deals here in a second, but I still think they get a right-handed outfielder, not necessarily to platoon with Jared Kalenic, uh, but as a backup to all three positions, and you know, and maybe to step in for against really tough lefties. But uh, all indications are they they got Jared Kalenick to be the starting left fielder.
1: Yeah, and there's still a bunch of guys left out on the market. I think that's what's going to have to happen is some of these top guys are going to have to sign first. I mean, um, you still got uh, Bellinger out on the market. You still got several other big outfielders. And then when it starts getting closer time for uh, camps to open up, and some of these lower tier, second, third tier outfielders start having to look for landing spots, they're going to be looking to sign at a, a much more reduced price. And I believe that's what Alex Anthopoulos is waiting on. I mean, guys like Michael A. Taylor are still out there. I think that might be the type of guy he's looking for, but he doesn't want to pay $6, 7000000 million a year. He even wanted to pay maybe $3 million a year. And I think that's what – waiting on the prices to draw things, uh, players to go on sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Randall uh, Gritschuk is still out there. Adam Duvall is still yeah. out there, right? You know, Jerry Joey Gallo is still out there. You know, these are the guys <laughs> – one of these guys is going to – is going to sign for on a on a one year make good deal, right? So, and why not the Braves?
1: Yeah. Exactly, or one year an option. I mean, there, there's there's different definitely solutions out there, and I think I think that's the kind of player they're waiting on. I, I think the big moves are done, but uh, I would also wouldn't be surprised to see uh, another maybe a, a a minor. I mean, a veteran pitcher sign on a cheap deal, like we would say the Anibal Sanchez, Sanchez back in the day, where. Uh, he was signed for a million bucks or something along those lines. The guys who can veterans that can eat some innings and they stash him at Quinnette. I think those are the kind of deals that are still out there to be had. And of course, Jesse Chavez is st- still out there too. Not a rotation player. I mean, rotation option, obviously, but I mean, he's still lingering around out there and obviously wouldn't be surprised to see him come
0: in on a minor league deal as well. Yeah. Maybe Colin McHugh too. Yeah. In fact, I
1: have to believe he kind of popped up on the timeline today is a you know, he is thanking the Braves for helping, uh, I think, believes a friend of his uh, with their uh, involving a wedding situation on the field at uh, Truist Park. So, I mean, obviously, there's still some good relations there. So, wouldn't be 100% shocked to see him back in the fold at some point.
0: Yeah, I think he, uh, when uh, Alex Anthophilus got his uh, his extension, uh, McHugh was happy about, you know, expressed happiness. And, and I think somebody said, Aren't you no longer with the Braves? He's like, it doesn't matter. I'm always a Brave. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the couple of minor signings that have happened here. So there was one major league deal that the Braves gave out, and it was to infielder Luis. Giorme, I think I've got that right. Um, no, I got that wrong. Luis Giorme. That's what we decided, right? Yeah, there we go. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, we actually,
1: see, we actually do homework for
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Giorme, um, if fans know him at all, they know him as uh, a pesky uh, hitter that had been with the New York Mets the last several years. Um, I was pretty happy when we signed him because, like I said, he always seems like a tough out when he's playing against, at least against us. Yeah, he can get that double
1: effect. Uh, he can contribute to the team, and he also can not hurt the team. <laughs> i will be interesting to see how he fits in with this because, you know, David Fletcher's still out there making big money, although he's not currently on the 40-man roster. Do they carry both of them, or do they try to maybe trade off Fletcher and try to get somebody to eat most of his contract and – I mean, there's, there's, there's still a little bit of a possibility out there.
0: I'm wondering if Fletcher stays in Gwinnett and they, they give him the Adam Duvall, Orlando Arcia treatment, you know, a veteran guy that they bring in and they, they get him in AAA and just really work on his swing.
1: Yeah, because I mean, if he could provide any offense at all, and <laughs> I mean, they've got him for a couple of years now. I believe what they have him for at least two years, and an option for another year or something along those lines. But right. I mean, they,
0: so I'm wondering if, if kind of like Duvall, if they're looking at him kind of more as a multi-year project rather than okay, he needs to step in immediately and you know be our bench guy. Because let's face it, he's he's not going to get playing time if everybody's healthy, and he was even if he's our main reserve infielder. He's not going to start more than a couple times a month.
1: Yeah, and, and making almost, I believe it's just short of $7 million a year. That's uh, not something they really want to see, but uh, I mean, I, might as well try to work on him at Gw- Gwinnett and see if they can get any more, see if there's any more left to get out of that bat.
0: Right. If they could rehabilitate that bat, they could either use him uh, or flip him, right? I think Guillermo... Yeah. Giorme is probably more of a what-you-see-is-what-you-get kind of guy. Um, he's in the infield. He's he's an average defender at all three positions. He's not going to hurt you anywhere. And uh, like I said, a pesky out. So uh, pretty good signing. I think it was, what, a million dollars? So,
1: Yeah, and it, it is, it's kind of a bump up from the uh, – not, I'm not saying a huge bump up, but at least a little bit of a bump from the guys they've carried in that spot the last few seasons, like – a. Adrianza or Echeverria—I mean, guys who are kind of at the tail end of their careers. I mean, I, th- I think j May's at least a little bit of, of a higher standard than those two,
0: right? And reportedly a real good clubhouse guy. He seemed very popular with the Mets, so um, I suspect he'll do very well here.
1: Yeah, and maybe he'll come up help come
0: up with every new celebration they'll have this season. <laughs> All right. Uh, Minor league deals. Uh, There were four, since we talked last, um, going in order from probably least impactful to the major leagues to highest potential impact. Uh, Nick Ward was signed. He is a, I believe, a former Phillies prospect. Um, He's probably going to be a a double-A guy to start out with, an infielder. Uh, Don't know much about him. Um, I don't know why they need more infielders in Mississippi, but uh, he's there. <laughs> yeah, unless I they, unless they plan on moving some of them up. Um, the Luke Waddells
1: of the world uh, coming up this season, maybe they'll uh, have some room down there for Ward. But I think Ward's topped out, by, I think, mostly at the AA level. I think he's gotten a cup of coffee at the AAA level, but I don't think he's ticketing for, for Cornet at all.
0: Yep. And then uh, a guy who probably is ticketed for, for Gwinnett, uh, Philip Evans, who has uh, you know pretty good amount of uh, major league experience, mostly with the, the uh, Pirates. Uh, third baseman, first baseman, um, I suspect he's probably been brought in to mostly play first base. Uh, not a bad little hitter.
1: No, I, th- I think he'll fit in pretty well. I mean, because they, they don't really have a first baseman right now, especially after uh, trading Evan White, who's going to be making a lot of money to play first base at Gwinnett. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I figure that's where he'll get parked because uh, most of the minor league vets they'd had at Gwinnett over the last couple of seasons have signed elsewhere by now. In fact, I just saw Yomir Sanchez uh, signed with the Mets a couple of days ago, so obviously he won't be an option going forward. But uh, yeah, the, I, I think, and they could just kind of use a mismatch, mishmash of players over at first base last season. So I think uh, Phil fevin get a solid amount of playing time.
0: Yeah, and I think Joe Dunan's still with the with the club, so he'll get some time there too. And, you know, cross your fingers, maybe Javi Valdez as well. Yeah. All right. Um, now, probably, probably going to play in uh, Gwinnett. Um, right-handed pitcher Charlie Culberson re-signed with the club. Now, it's funny because when – on Twitter, uh, I, you know the outfield fly rule uh, Twitter account. We posted, you know that uh, you know these following minor leaguers have uh, you know have all been declared free agency, and we remarked right-handed pitcher Charlie Culberson because we knew Culberson has only been appearing as as a pitcher for you know the last six weeks of the season, and I think there was even an article about how the Braves were pretty much moving him full-time to a reliever. And apparently nobody noticed that because when they announced they were signing him and were signing him as a pitcher, everybody was surprised.
1: Yeah. uh, I remember we discussed it at the end of last season. And I I remember we saw an interview where they, they talked to him about the full-time switch to pitching and he didn't sound overly thrilled about, I mean, he sounded like he was willing to give it a shot, but he didn't sound overly thrilled. It's like, yeah, I could still be a two-way player and, the Braves said, "Nah, you're you're a full time pitcher now. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's it's at least an interesting project. I mean, it's not hurting anything. Uh, he's not. I mean, uh, his his position player career is, I mean, essentially over. Um, and it's a way to kind of maybe get a couple years extra um, extension out of his career, whether it's at AAA or at the major league level. But I mean, it's a, and it's not like he's just throwing like eighty four mile an hour slop up there. I mean, he's had a." Um, fastball in the 94 range and had some at least breaking ball to actually look somewhat like a breaking ball. Yeah. So you can see that at least the, there's the bones of something there. It's at least worth a try. It's not like uh, you're looking at this like, oh, uh, it's just kind of a uh, throwing of a bone and because they feel bad for him or something like that. I mean, hey, I mean, he gets get something out of him hey, more power to him and then he's, I mean, even if you bring him up to the, um, major league level at some point, you can easily just DFA him, and he'll go right back to Gwinnett. I mean, it's not like he doesn't want to go play anywhere else. I think he's here for the duration, whatever he's going to be doing.
0: Yeah, his family's from Georgia. You know, he's from Georgia. You know, he's a Georgia boy. And yeah. as as someone famously said, you know, beats working for Sears. So. <laughs> All right, and then today it was revealed via the uh, Braves transaction tracker uh, that uh, six days ago they apparently signed uh, Jordan Luplow to a minor league contract for the second time uh, in the consecutive off seasons. Uh, Luplow was in the uh, Braves spring training last year, got injured. I think he was supposed to be in the mix for for a uh, reserve spot, but basically got injured during spring training and and lost that spot to um, Kevin Pillar and Sam Hilliard ended up uh, going down to Gwinnett and very quickly, I I think he requested his release so he could sign with another team that where he might have a better chance of uh, being called up. And of course, as soon as that happened, then uh, Hilliard got hurt and we could have really used him, but uh, (laughs) that's neither here nor there. So Lopalau kind of, um, bounced around a lot last year, and now he's
1: back with Atlanta. Yeah, and I believe he's in the same situation Hilliard was last season, where he's out of options now, so he's probably a lot less attractive to teams not having that option, and you can kind of shuffle him back and forth, so it probably reduced his options for the season. He sees the brave situations where, hey, they have need of right-handed hitting outfielder, and he can probably, at at, at minimum, be playing every day down at Cornette.
0: Yeah, and – just one injury away from a call up. So I think that makes sense for him. I think it makes sense for the Braves too. I mean, he's, he's a guy that, that can put the ball over the fence, you know, with some regularity, um, you know, doesn't really get on base that much and certainly doesn't hit a lot, but, uh, he does have power and he can play all three outfield positions with some level of, uh, of aplomb. So
1: yeah, and it's just like we talked about earlier. I mean, he he fits the description, but I think they're aiming a little higher than that. Yeah, I but so. I mean, he's hey, he's an option. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, also coming out this week both Baseball Prospectus and Baseball America put out their top 100 prospect lists. Uh, always an exciting time. Both of them had Jackson is on the top and, uh, you know, the, the top five were pretty much the same, but uh, I always find these two lists pretty interesting. Baseball America, I always feel like it is probably the list that I'm more like my feelings about prospects seem to marry most with the, the, Baseball America list most of the time. Uh, I think they do a good job of incorporating uh, scouting and uh, also getting opinions of uh, of the teams themselves incorporated into the list and things like that. So I'm always interested in theirs. But uh, Baseball Perspectives usually comes at it from a different angle, and they're a much more metrics-oriented bunch of folks. Uh, and they always put in good work, and they they always put in good reasoning for their picks, even if I disagree with it. So, for a Braves standpoint, um, Baseball America had two prospects on their top 100: uh, AJ Smith-Chavver at 42 and Hurston Waldrip at 49. Uh, I think on our top 30 Braves list, we we have, we mentioned that we figured both of those would be in the top 100. Uh, for most lists. So, um, so obviously, yeah, we agreed with that. Then baseball prospectus was different. They had Waldrop as well. (laughs) Much different. Yeah. They had Waldrop as well. And and they had Waldrop all the way up at 30, which is great. Uh, They did not have AJ Smith-Shawvert at all. And um, at number 98, they had shortstop Nacho Alvarez, which was kind of cool. And that's probably not a surprise. They came out with their top 10 Braves prospects, I think, back in November. And they had A.J. Smith-Shauver as five. Now, obviously, we disagree with that. We have A.J. Smith-Shauver as our one. But I get baseball perspectives reasoning, even if I disagree with it, like I said before. Yeah, it's kind of like it's different, but you can see why it's different. It's not
1: being different for the sake of being different. It's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do what Baseball America is doing. We're just doing our own thing. But, um, yeah, it was very interesting to see that. I mean, Waldrop, I, I mean, obviously I get it. He's 49 on Baseball America, number 30 on Baseball Prospectus, and he is what he is. I mean, a very talented prospect and close to the major leagues. But, I mean, it's good to see Nacho get some um, play here. I mean, obviously we talk about him a lot. But I don't think he's talked about – a great deal in the uh, just the, the, the Joe Braves fan community that doesn't know a whole lot about minor league baseball. He's not going to get a lot of run. Uh, it's good to see that. And maybe they'll get more people talking about him and it's going to be real interesting to see how he goes this season, especially uh, if he gets promoted to Mississippi and um, works on the things he needs to be working on, which is hopefully developing a little more power, which will be a little difficult in that part,
0: but it's not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about Alvarez this season, but let's talk about a little bit about smith Shaver and kind of what these two people are seeing and how, how you think. So baseball prospectus, they're feeling, you know, they're right up on smith Shaver is that they're concerned about two main things. Um, and interestingly, one of them is not developing command. <laughs> so, uh, they, they they recognize he's you know he's 20 years old. He'll be 21 this year. You know the command's not there yet, but it it probably will be. They are more concerned about the shape of his secondary pitches and the lack of life on the fastball. Even though obviously he throws very hard, it's not one of these fastballs that moves you know three inches and you know and makes hitters look silly sometimes. Um. I thought the, the the impact of the secondaries is interesting because I was looking at secondaries a little bit earlier, secondary pitches, and I think there's something to that. Um, but again, he's so young and he's such an advanced level. He, there's so much room for development there that I, it's hard not to be excited about that.
1: Yeah, if he was, say, 24 years old, he'd been the minor leagues for four years and he was – he is what he is at this point. Uh, if it was a situation like that, I'd be more willing to read into that. Let's say, I mean, just uh, to throw an example out there, like a Kyle Muller or something like that. I mean, at some point, it, it, the product is what the product is. But, I mean, he's uh, 20 or 21 years old. He's only been pitching full-time for, what, about three years? So, I mean, he's 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 not a finished product by any means. He's still got uh, development to, to undergo. And I'm not willing to... I mean, I, I get why they didn't do it, but at the same time, it's like this, there's more that underneath the surface there. I mean, like they, they oh, hey, they might not like those pitches or the shapes or anything like that, but uh, I think there's work that can be done to help overcome that.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and in their write-up, they say, look, if he gets just a little bit more action on the curve or just a little bit more bite on the slider, then, yeah, he, he's – you you move him up quite a bit, right up their ranking. So, uh, and he's he's just so young, and I, I can't see that not happening for him, barring some sort of injury.
1: Yeah, and in fact, I mean, it might not even happen this. If I mean, he's pitched meaningful major league. I mean, he pitched in the NLDS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, granted, it was kind of a it's a long relief hype role, but I mean, getting experience like that's going to do nothing but help him out. And I I, th- I think he's still very very much in that conversation for the number one prospect. I mean, I get like, like I said, I get why they went a, dipped a little lower, but it's also not, they're not saying oh, like he's trash and he's never going out to anything. There's like, Hey, he's, we like him, but he's got work
0: to do. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's a good point. He could spend all year this year in the minor leagues and all year next year in the minor leagues and not come back until 2026. Six? Is that right? So he'd still be like, what, 25? 20, you know, yeah. And so
1: he'd be, what, 23, yeah. 23, 24 years old? Right. Like
0: that. He would be on schedule. <laughs> right? He would yeah. not be behind <laughs> schedule. He would be on schedule if that happened. Right? <laughs> uh, um, so there's there's so much room for development right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel pretty comfortable with our, our uh, number one ranking for smith Shawver, but uh, I'm, I'm always happy to see the uh, baseball prospectus list because it makes you kind of think about it.
1: Yeah, and also a note on these lists, too, uh, for Baseball America, um, they didn't make the top 100, nor did they make the, the 15 guys who almost made the top 100, but uh, also under the also-receiving-votes category, uh, J.R. Ritchie and Owen Murphy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Owen Murphy is number two on the uh, prospectus um, Braves list. And I, he was, uh, what, number three for us, or three or four, I forget. And, and obviously, the, I, I, li- I really liked what I saw from Murphy late last year. I think he's going to start back in Rome again. Uh, but I think this is going to be a big year for Owen Murphy. It's great that J.R. Ritchie is also still, you know, in the minds of at least somebody at uh, Baseball America because um, what he showed before his injury was so tantalizing. Um, I, I, uh, wonder if we're going to see him this year. They've been so, uh, conservative with, uh, guys coming off of Tommy John that, uh, you know, I, am I'm, I'm hoping that Richie makes an appearance by the end of the year, but you know, considering what happened with, uh, Cole Phillips last year and, uh, and Adam Mayer, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Either that, or we'll just say like one morning he'll pop up in a random FCL game in August.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll never know. It'll just, it'll just happen. (laughs) Um, I I got into an interesting conversation on Twitter today about um, uh, Mario Baez, the shortstop that had a really good season in the, with the DSL Braves. Uh, Basically the question to us was just uh, why did we have him so low uh, and we had him at number 27 on our top 30, and which was and, and the question was interesting to me because I didn't consider that low, <laughs> and not, that's not a knock on bias by any stretch. He had a great year. No, uh, it's just it's just that DSL performance. Like we've seen guys put up numbers in in DSL, positive and negative. And it seems like it's had no bearing whatsoever on the rest of their career. Yeah. I mean, it,
1: it's kind of hard to get off that small sample size and the quality of play in the DSL. And I can understand why people, especially us would be one to be conservative on him at that point. Like you want to see him at least get stateside and then start getting eyes on him. And before you can kind of play it cautiously until it's time to not be because we've been burned that guy, that kind of thing before uh, see Maiton comma Kevin and we'll probably have a little more of that conversation here in a moment when we discuss the international signings. But you know, you don't, don't want to read too much into those performances. But I, that's what got him onto the top
0: thirty is his performance, right? Yeah, and and the video, you know, what limited video we saw, you know, is interesting, definitely. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him come stateside this year, um, and. Hopefully he keeps moving up. But I thought that was an interesting question. Um, I know he's gotten some buzz among Braves fans, and I think prospect watchers are really looking into this organization for any position player to kind of latch on to, right? It's so pitching heavy right now. You know, in the top position players that we have on our list, they've all got their warts, right? Even even Nacho, you know, uh, which is apparently a – you know, at least one 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 major baseball organization thinks he's the top 100 prospect in the game. Um, but right now, he looks like, you know, a marginal major league starter, you know, unless something else happens with his development. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at that top 30. I mean, obviously,
1: most of them are going to be pitchers, but even the ones that aren't, I mean, yeah, everybody's got warts going up and down the list. I mean, because that's just the the state of the farm right now. I mean, you don't, you're not going to have the... You, you don't have the Ronald is in the Michael Harris's of the world on that top 30 right now. So you just got to look for what you can
0: get. Yeah. And that's probably a good segue to talk about our, our final topic here. Um, so Monday was the start of the international signing period for 2024. Uh, the Braves made waves. They gave out the biggest bonus of uh, to any prospect in the signing period. And that was to shortstop Jose Pordomo of uh, Venezuela, got a $5 million signing bonus. That's the biggest bonus the Braves have ever given out and the largest bonus um, to any Venezuelan amateur prospect. Um, He also made waves by uh, showing a picture of himself as signing, wearing a number 13 jersey. You know some fans took that as who the hell does he think he is? 13 belongs to Ronda Cunha. Uh, I, th- I think it should be taken the opposite way. It's a sign of respect for Ronda Cunha, who is a hero to the youths of Venezuela.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a sign of respect, not of uh, hey, look, I'll, I'll be better than that guy kind of thing. I mean, Ronnie's helping. Paved the way for a lot of stuff going on in Venezuela right now because you look at the list of the the signees they got this season they were I think they were all from either Venezuela or the Dominican Republic. That's correct. Uh, and I'm sure the, it was about half and half. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of the Venezuelan ones. Uh, they see what's happening in Atlanta and it's like, hey, uh, let's go where that guy's going.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's this is a good thing, and uh, you know I think uh, somebody interviewed him. He said, yeah, my number is going to be thirteen until I get to Atlanta, which is an awesome comment. <laughs> yeah, cuz I don't think that number 13 is going to be available anytime soon, if ever. <laughs> now, Perdomo is the third shortstop that we've signed in the last four signing periods that that commanded our our top bonus. This is after Ambiores Tavares in 2021 and then uh, Diego Benitez in 2022. So both of those guys, you know, have had their challenges as they've uh, climbed up the lower minor league so far. Uh, Perdomo, I don't know. We, we, we won't know until we see him, but it seems like he might be a little bit different. Uh, the bat speed certainly looks special.
1: Yeah, uh, got a, a tremendous hit tool. I mean, I like the, the comments that Jonathan Cruz, the, the, um, the, the international director, was talking about yesterday. Uh, talking about what the, the Pernomo, the things he's done about his hit tool that they've had their eye on him since he was, what, 12 years old? Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot can change in that time, but so, sh- they said, uh, Sam had some uh, showcases in the US last year where he played alongside uh, Ethan Solace. Uh, that name sounds familiar. He's a Padres prospect who is 17 years old and he's already at double A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Cruz made sure to say, hey, uh, we're not looking at that like that or going to speed him along that timeline. He said, in fact, he, he pointed out strictly, it's like, hey, he's going to be in the DSL this year and only the DSL. So I think that's going to help uh, put a little bit of a ceiling on the uh, expectations for him. That like, let's, let's see how he does this year before we decide how to proceed with him going forward. But I would think uh, if he has a, a, a campaign like that in the DSL this year, uh, all bets
0: are off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, not to put too fine a point on it, the Braves need... To get this international pipeline working, they really need to fill out their minor league system, especially on the position player side. And the best way to do that is through this, these international scouting. And granted, they after the sanctions, after the Coppola scandal, they're kind of starting with nothing. Uh, they, you know, they uh, dismissed almost the entire international scouting group in the wake of that scandal and have and have, had, and have been rebuilding it since then, um, this, this needs to get going. So, um, Perdomo is the next best hope. And, uh, so is uh, outfielder one, uh, Espinal, who got the second biggest, uh, bonus of $400,000. Uh, he's a guy that looks like he could play center field, hopefully. And, uh, also, uh, guy with uh, some potential power here
1: yeah and he's got the uh, starling Marte comp already attached to him um hate to say comps put on like 16 year olds and 17 year olds but i mean you gotta i guess compare them to somebody but um they've been pretty heavy on taking outfielders and shortstops the last couple of seasons so it's gonna be fun to see how uh that plays out because uh what took a whole outfield worth last year in the international signing so uh you yep. know He'll be a part of the, the new crop there at um, the DSL team.
0: Yeah, this, it's going to be an interesting DSL year, I think. Um, there's some They got a lot of arms as well. i um, heard good things about uh, Anthony Gonzalez, uh, right-handed pitcher who's probably going to be a starter. Um, so we'll be obviously keeping an eye on all that, as we always do every year. Um, but uh, it, an exciting international signing period whenever you – Get out the biggest bonus to anybody. That's uh, certainly uh, a, an eye opener.
1: Yeah, and also an interesting thing was uh, mentioned that it was mentioned by Jonathan Cruz that they 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 didn't spend all their money, so they they decided to hold some of it back because uh, there'll be pitchers, um, and they gave specific example of the pitchers who have popped up over the last few years that they could sign in the middle of the signing period, and uh, especially like the ten the ten k people that don't uh, count against your signing pool and then I believe uh after subtracting all the stuff left I think they probably have about three fifty to three seventy five um remaining in their pool. So they've got some money for some more signings out there. Uh they also got a couple of outfielders, Isaac Osario and Gabriel Sesa, from the both from the Dominican Republic got them for thirty five and thirty thousand dollars respectively. So there's still some money to play with out there, but it looks like Perdomo, for the most part, uh they're putting throw all their eggs in that one basket for this signing period at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. That is interesting that you mentioned that because I do recall they got some pretty good arms kind of late in the process last year that that turned in pretty good seasons in the DSL. So, yeah, that's a good call. Um, We'll see. We will see. All right, Matt, you got anything else for us? No, this
1: is a chock full of things to talk about over the last month and we'll see what develops between now and next time around, but I think it's going to be probably a whole lot of minor league signings because, uh, they got some rosters to fill out.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously they got enough to play games and stuff, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's jobs to be had here in the, in the minor leagues. And, and, you know, I, at least probably a couple in the major league side too. I, I, I do think you're right. They'll br- probably bring in another veteran, uh, arm just for competition sake. Um, and we'll see, and we'll see about old friends like Jesse Chavez and, you know, Colin McHugh and I forget who else is still out there, but um, there's lots of guys still out there. All right. Yep. Um, we will talk to you um, probably what uh, early February is probably going to be the next time we, uh, we get on the horn. Um, I'm hoping to do a uh, position by position breakdown on outfieldflyrule.com kind of leaning into and go in into spring training so keep an eye out for that as it comes out uh i didn't do one of these last year um uh, but i've done them in years past so uh, if you want to look look on the website and uh check those out and you you kind of see hopefully what uh, is coming up all right with that I hope everybody has a great week have a good one no Non,
2: Ah, je ne regrette rien, ni le bien. Chagrin, et plaisirs Je n'ai plus besoin de Balayer les amours Avec leur trémolo Balayer pour toujours Je repars à zéro be